98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. The chief executive says the government will stick to its timetable for relaxing social distancing, despite falling case numbers. Carrie Lam also comments on press freedom in Hong Kong after the Foreign Correspondents Club suspends its human rights press awards. And the government says it expects around 160,000 employers to apply for the new pandemic wage subsidy from Friday. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says the government will stick to its timetable for relaxing social distancing and won't ease the rules until the second half of next month. Government vaccine advisor Ivan Hung had suggested that changes could be brought forward if daily COVID infections fell below 100. Mrs. Lam says that while the daily caseload continues to follow a downward trend, she still intends to stick to the original time frame for further relaxation. We will continue to press ahead with the three-stage relaxation that I have announced on the 21st of March, unless there was a sudden surge in COVID-19 infection cases. But that looks quite unlikely. So the second stage is intended to take place about a month from the first phase. That is the second half of May. So this is the plan at the moment. Mrs. Lam was asked to comment on whether there were implications for Hong Kong's media freedom in the decision of the Foreign Correspondents Club to suspend its human rights press awards and on a political commentator's decision to leave the SAR. Mrs. Lam said that while press freedom is enshrined in the basic law, people have to abide by the law in exercising their rights. So uh, I I have um, no particular comment on those uh, two incidents that you have quoted because the first incident is an award event which was organized by a private organization. If that same organization decided not to hold that event, a government official could not comment on it. The answer has to be given by that particular organization. Political commentator Chung Kim Wah recently left Hong Kong for the UK. Mrs. Lam says the basic law guarantees that residents can freely enter or leave the SAR. The government says it expects around 160,000 employers to apply for the latest round of pandemic wage subsidies under its employment support scheme. It opens for applications on Friday. The head of the government's Policy, Innovation and Coordination Office, Doris Ho, says tougher penalties are in place to ensure the money goes to workers and that companies maintain or increase headcount. She addressed concerns that the scheme came too late to help firms that had already shut down. We cannot help all companies with one single scheme. I think the main objective of the 2022 ESS is to provide wage subsidies to employers to help retain jobs or even increase employment when the epidemic situation permits. We would very much hope to see that the 2022 ESS can complement other measures under the anti-epidemic fund and the consumption vouchers to stimulate consumption demand and inject vitality into our economy when Hong Kong is struggling to rebuild its economy from the fifth wave. An honorary chairman of the Institute of Dining Professionals, Simon Wong, compared the scheme's launch to the government's distribution of rapid test kits when the pandemic was already easing, suggesting the payments were coming too late. But he believes they can still help the catering sector. It directly helps us with paying wages for three months. Actually, in the coming three months, even if you don't subsidise us, the catering sector can still stop its losses, as long as you don't tighten social distancing rules. 
but we have suffered in the past few months. So businesses hope to earn some money now to pay rent and bank loans they owed. When employees can go back to work, more people should be dining out and shopping again. This is better than staying in a depression and the economy can't recover. A worker representative on the Labour Advisory Board, Tom Kamlin, says that the scheme might give businesses confidence to hire staff again. But she hopes officials will also do spot checks to ensure subsidized companies aren't cutting staff wages. Over Beijing has expanded mass COVID-19 testing to cover most of its 22 million residents as locally transmitted cases in the capital rise. Meanwhile, cases in Shanghai continue to fall. Jimmy Choi reports. The capital began testing people in Chaoyang district yesterday, but now plans to check residents in 10 further districts and one economic development zone three times between today and Saturday. Beijing authorities reported 32 local cases today, up from 19 yesterday. Large gatherings such as cultural and sports events are suspended in the affected districts until testing is complete. Meanwhile, Shanghai reported around 17,000 total infections today, down from 19,000 yesterday. A further 52 COVID patients were reported to have died, compared to 51 yesterday. Officials say they were aged between 33 and 100, and the deaths were linked to underlying conditions. The government here says six cases of COVID-19 have been detected in testing of almost 1,800 residents in two housing blocks in the new territories. Block 13 at Yutwa Villa in Tunmun and Cypress House on the Kuang Yun estate in Sha Tin were put under overnight lockdown for testing. Turning overseas, the Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov has again suggested there's a danger of the Ukraine conflict leading to a third world war. But he said he expected it to end with a negotiated peace agreement. Speaking to Russia's state media, he said Moscow wanted to avoid what he called artificial risks of such conflict. All five leaders of the five permanent members of the UN Security Council ahead of August's conference on nuclear non-proliferation have signed the statement about the inadmissibility of nuclear war. This is our principled position. This is our key position on which we base everything. The North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has vowed to speed up the development of nuclear weapons and make them ready to use at any time. Speaking at an event to mark the 90th anniversary of his country's army, Mr. Kim warned that any force seeking military confrontation with Pyongyang would cease to exist, as he put it. The world's richest man, Elon Musk, has clinched a deal to buy Twitter for 44 billion U.S. dollars. In a joint statement, the two sides said they wanted to make the social media platform better than ever and stressed the importance of free speech. Twitter had initially rejected Mr. Musk's advances. Its board has now recommended the sale to its shareholders. Vivian Schiller, the former global chair of news at Twitter, says she has concerns about Mr. Musk's deal. The things that he said so far, which is very limited, about, you know, changing Twitter into a free speech zone and his lack of follow through on being able to explain exactly what he means by that has me very concerned. You know, I think there's a level of naivete when it comes to how he's going to, quote unquote, fix Twitter. I don't think I think he's in for a world of hurt. The White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki declined to comment on the takeover, saying only that President Biden was a firm advocate of reforms to re- regulate social media platforms. 
our concerns are not new. Uh, we've long talked about, and the President has long talked about, his concerns about the power of social media platforms, including Twitter and others, to uh, spread uh, misinformation, disinformation, um, the need uh, for these platforms to be held accountable. I still don't have a specific comment on this specific transaction, um, and at this point we don't have any sense of what the policies will look like. Businessman and philanthropist Osman Kavala has been sentenced to life in prison without parole in Turkey after being found guilty of attempting to overthrow the government. The ruling was met with boos from a packed courtroom. Rights groups have condemned it as a travesty of justice. Mr. Kavala has already spent four and a half years behind bars. Gurney Yildiz from the human rights group Amnesty International told the BBC the ruling would deter dissent within Turkey. He's the highest profile detainee in Turkey, and his continuing arrest and his uh, now uh, sentencing is a, a very strong message to the business community because he's also a businessman, and a message to the civil society and human rights defenders. So people would, would think, actually, I heard uh, several civil society actors saying this to me, that if this happens to Kavala, what can happen to us? What can uh, protect us in terms of uh, international outcry? A judge in New York has found Donald Trump in contempt of court for failing to provide documents demanded as part of an investigation into his business empire. The former U.S. president has been ordered to pay a fine of $10,000 a day until he complies. The BBC's Nada Tofik has the details. The state attorney general's office accused Donald Trump of thumbing his nose at the court and asked for the contempt finding after he failed to meet an order deadline to turn over materials. Investigators want information from three of his mobile devices, along with files located in cabinets outside Mr. Trump's office, storage room, and other locations in the Trump organization. Attorney General Letitia James said the ruling made clear no one was above the law. Mr. Trump's lawyer said the former president simply didn't have the documents being sought and called the investigation a political crusade. In financial news, HSBC has reported a slide in first quarter earnings as higher inflation and the war in Ukraine hit revenues. The Asia-focused British banking giant's pre-tax profit was down nearly 28 percent year-on-year to 4.2 billion U.S. dollars. Reported profit after tax dropped 25 percent to 3.4 billion. The group's chief executive, Noel Quinn, says higher lending and growth across personal banking, insurance and trade finance will boost the bank's performance in the upcoming quarters. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 20,236. That's 373 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $63 billion. In currency, the U.S. dollar is trading at one. 28.08 to the yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and seven cents, and the pound will get you ten Hong Kong dollars and one cent. To sport, and the U.K. government says it will establish an independent regulator in football after endorsing recommendations made in the review by fans regarding the men's game. The regulator will have power to sanction English clubs who break financial and other rules. The Premier League says it recognizes and accepts the case for reform, but a regulator isn't necessary. The review was chaired by the former sports minister, Tracy Crouch, who disagrees with the Premier League's comments. 
I'm not surprised by the Premier League's response. I'm disappointed because I would have hoped that now at this stage that they would have recognised that both the review team that took forward the fan-led review and the government have looked very uh, seriously at all of these issues and have proposed an independent regulator. You would have hoped that they would have a bit more self-awareness of some of the uh, concerns around the conflict of interests and therefore embraced the reforms that are being proposed, even though it does threaten their authority. On the pitch, Leeds are five points clear of the Premier League's relegation zone after a goalless draw at Crystal Palace. The BBC's Jonathan Pierce reports from Sellers Park. No goals, but one point for Leeds, and it might be absolutely crucial. They had to get something with Manchester City, Arsenal and Chelsea their next three games. In the first half, that looked unlikely. They were misshapen, flat, second best. Palace with Zaha threatening dangerously down the left. Six efforts from him in the game as Palace buzzed excitingly, especially with Elise on in the second half. Leeds, though, in the excellent Melian goal held firm. They also had their moments in that second period without ever really troubling Vicente Guaita in the Palace goal. They pressed harder. They wanted that point. Poor game. Palace deserved all three, but goodness me, how precious that Leeds point could be. In the Italian Serie A, Juventus moved closer to securing a top four finish with, and with that, a place in the Champions League next season. Juventus were 2-1 winners at Sassuolo. Moise Ken scored the winner two minutes from time. As for the title race, Juve trailed the leaders AC Milan by eight points with four games remaining. South Africa's cricket board says their former captain, Graham Smith, has been cleared of racism allegations. The BBC's Andy Barwell reports. The former South Africa men's captain and director of cricket, Graham Smith, has been cleared of racism allegations by two independent arbitrators. Smith was among several cricket South Africa employees implicated in tentative findings made by the Social Justice and Nation-Building Ombudsman last year. The report claimed that Smith had engaged in racially biased and discriminatory behaviour on three counts as South Africa's skipper and also as CSA's director of cricket. The CSA have now been ordered to pay Smith's costs for the entire arbitration process. In the NBA playoffs, the Bolton Celtics completed a 4-0 series sweep to eliminate the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. A 39-point haul from Kevin Durant wasn't enough for the Nets as they slumped to a 116-112 to loss. Boston faced either defending champions Milwaukee or Chicago in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Meanwhile, the Toronto Raptors stunned the Philadelphia Sixers on the road to keep their series alive. Toronto dropped the first three games but are now just one win away from tying the series following a 103-88 to victory. In the West, the Dallas Mavericks beat the Utah Jazz 102-77 to to lead the series 3-2. Taking a look at the weather, mainly fine and hot with light to moderate southerly winds. The outlook, it'll remain mainly fine and hot over the next few days, but with more wind and showers. Temperatures will be slightly lower from Sunday. Temperature right now is 29 degrees Celsius, relative humidity 74%. And to finish the news, the top stories once again. Carrie Lamb says the government will stick to its timetable for relaxing social distancing. She also commented on press freedom in Hong Kong after the Foreign Correspondence Club suspended its human rights press awards. And the government says it expects around 160,000 employers to apply for the new pandemic wage subsidies from Friday. And that's the news at 1 o'clock from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. It's Tuesday, which means we talk food and drink. After 1.30 on this week's Soundbite, my guest is actress, director and voice artist and presenter Candice Moore. She's ready to talk about her favourite food and the memories that she attaches to them. And she shares her soundbite with us. And then after 2pm, another interesting national day. This time, it's National Pretzel Day. Did you know that in the USA? So to commemorate the actual day, I'm also going to be talking pretzels, but also looking at some of the popular snacks that people eat across the world when they're kind of munching in front of the TV and things like that. And I can tell you, there's some very unusual things lined up. And, uh, you know, have a think. Is there something that you eat um, which you thoroughly enjoy in terms of snacking? Well, if there is, I'd like to know what it is. Anyway, that's all coming up between now.